Well, Draw Me Close to You. Those are great lyrics to uh, be singing the very first part of the year. And um, because that can be part of our prayer, that God would be drawing us closer and closer to Him throughout the year in our relationship to Him. If you are uh, joining us for the first time this morning, we welcome you. We're glad you're with us. And I'd like to just take a moment and catch you up to date on what we've been talking about last week and what we're talking about this week. Uh, These two first Sundays of a new year are the Sundays that we set aside to talk about vision and mission. Last week we talked, uh, we read a very powerful passage, a very familiar passage in the Gospel of Matthew. And in essence, Jesus in that passage is getting his disciples ready, getting them ready because they're going to do as he says in John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. So, so Jesus was getting his disciples ready just the way God gets you and me ready so that he can send you and me out into a world that's in desperate need of the gospel of Jesus. Well, this morning what we're going to do is uh, actually take a look at our, mission ta- at our mission statement, our vision statement, and, and it goes something like this, very simply like this. Training believers to transform the world. Training believers to transform, to transform the world. Now, the way we're going to do it, we're going to invite you, if you would, to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to go back to the same area we were in last week. And uh, Dorcas, if you don't mind, would you close that door for me, please? Uh, Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to look at verse 21 through verse 27. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, you've got a handout that looks like that. If you just take that out of your bulletin, you can follow along. Our sister Kylie is going to read it for us in English. And Dorcas is going to read it for us in French. And as they make their way to the pulpit, if you're willing and able, would you please stand for the reading of the Word of God? Matthew 16, 21 through 27. Jesus predicts his death. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to can't say that word, Jerusalem, and then he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. So Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing, you're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then Jesus said to, to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come to his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. Matthieu, chapitre 16, verset 21 au 28. Dès alors, Jésus commença à faire connaître à ses disciples qu'il fallait qu'il allait à Jérusalem, qu'il souffrit beaucoup de la part des, de ses anciens, des principes sacrificateurs et des scribes, qu'il fut mis en mort et qu'il ressuscita à le troisième jour. Pierre, l'ayant pris à part, s'est mis à le reprendre et dit, et dit Adieu, ne plus, Seigneur, cela ne t'arrive pas. Mais Jésus, se retournant, dit à Pierre 
Ailleurs de moi, Satan, tu mets un scandale, car tes pensées ne sont pas les pensées des dieux, mais celles des hommes. Alors Jésus dit à ses disciples, « Si quelqu'un veut venir après moi, qu'il renonce à lui-même, qu'il se charge de sa croix et qu'il qu me suive. Car celui qui voudra sauver sa vie la perdra, mais celui qui la perdra à cause de moi la retrouvera. Et que qu servira-t-il un homme de gagner tout le monde s'il perdra son âme Ou que donnera un homme en échange de son âme Car le Fils de l'homme doit venir dans la gloire de son Père avec ses anges, et alors il rendra à chacun selon ses œuvres. Je vous le dis en vérité, quelqu'un de ceux qui sont ici n'aimera point qu'il n'avait vu le Fils de l'homme venir à son règne. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your heart of love for us. Thank you that not only do you bring us into a relationship with you, you develop us in that relationship, not only for our benefit, but for the benefit of those around us. So God, we pray uh, as we begin this new year that your spirit would be upon us, upon your word, and that you would be doing that, training us as your people, as believers, to be the instruments of your love and grace in a broken world. We pray for this and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you. May be seated. Thank you, Dorcas. Thank you, Kylie. Good job. Training believers to transform the world. The moment that we put a, our faith, a childlike faith, into Jesus, the Bible says that we become believers, believers in Jesus. But that's just the beginning. Uh, God then begins a process of transforming us and changing us and helping us to become more and more like his son Jesus so that through us he can love the world. I don't know if you noticed this past week or not, but it was a very interesting week. The... Uh, North Koreans tested, they said they tested a hydrogen bomb. Don't know if that was true or not, but they tested something that was powerful. Iran and Saudi Arabia are at each other's throats, I guess you would say. Uh, the, uh, the Wall Street went through the floor this past week. Uh, two nights ago, there was another violent act that, was, that happened in, in uh, Philadelphia. And uh, man, when you look around the world today, you think, wow, it feels like things are unraveling all around us. And when we think about these things, uh, we can feel some anxiety, some concerns about what, what on earth is going on. It's like the, the world is falling apart. Well, we don't have to fear. We don't have to be upset by all of these things because we've put our trust and faith in Jesus. And in the prayer this morning, I mentioned that the, the, the name Jesus in Hebrew means shelter, protection. He's a protection over us. But at the same time that he's a protection over us, he's also one who wants to conform us into his likeness so that we can be a blessing to a world that does seem like it's falling all apart. So that's why we have that mission statement, training believers to transform the world. Now that's exactly what Jesus is doing in this passage. Once again, he's getting these 12 young men that he's, that he's talking to, he's getting them ready, getting them prepared because they're going to take over his ministry and they're going to go in to a very broken world as well. So this morning, I want you to see three truths about how God prepares us, three truths how God trains us, and what God has to do specifically in us so that we can be the instruments that he wants us to be. So we're going to begin with this. If you have your outline open, the first word that I want you to write down is the word plan. God has a plan. Now, once again, the backdrop in their time was uh, a very... 
a powerful government, but chaotic times. We have a backdrop today of very chaotic times. And, and we would, I don't know about you, but whenever things go south, whenever things get very difficult, I'm always looking for somebody that's going to show me the way through the mass. Well, God declares that he has a plan. And that plan is always about his life, his love, his hope. Listen to what, what uh, God declares to the prophet Jeremiah in uh, chapter 29, verse 11. When the, the Israelites were taken away into captivity, they were brokenhearted, they were fearful. Their world, as far as they were concerned, had come to an end. Here's what God says. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. And here we go. Plans to give you hope and a future. And amongst the times of chaos, God is declaring, I have plans for you, the hope and the future. Now with that in mind, listen to what Matthew tells us once again in verse 21. And I want you to pay in particular attention to when he speaks about religious people. Here it goes. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem. For those of you who were with us last week, you remember the location was in Caesarea Philippi. Now he's saying we're going to go from there and we're going to go into the holy city of Jerusalem. And that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and teachers of religious law. He would be killed. But on the third day he would be raised from the dead. He would be raised from the dead. Now, he's going to Jerusalem but he's telling his disciples plainly. They're hearing this for the first time. Uh, he has just said that he's going to be the Messiah. They've recognized him as Messiah. They're thinking in their minds, if we go to Jerusalem, he's going to conquer the Romans. He's going to set up his throne. He's going to be the next David. And he's going to rule the world. And all of a sudden, he's saying, I'm going to be killed. So they're thinking, what? What on earth is going on here? Number one. Number two, he says, not only am I going to be killed, it's going to be by the religious leaders. His own people, their own people. He, it's not going to be Rome that's going to kill him. It's going to be the religious people. So what on earth, they're thinking, you and I might ask the same question. What on earth is going on here? What is the big deal about the religious people? Well, these are people throughout the, uh, the history of, of Israel that had taken God's goodness, taken his laws, taken his, the oracles of the prophets and so forth, and they had taken them and turned them towards themselves. And they had become religious and had begun to oppress the people. They had, be, they had become the enemy of God's grace and God's love. But what we want to see this morning is that's basically what religion is all about. And here's, here's a nutshell of what religion is, is all about. Religion is about people trying to make themselves acceptable to God on their own. People trying to make themselves acceptable to God on their own. That is the heart and soul of any religion there is in the world, whether it's Judaism, whether it's Islam, Shintoism, Hinduism. It all comes down to the same thing. What must I do and what can I do and what will I do to make myself acceptable to whatever God I believe in? And unfortunately, what that does is it sets a person's will. I will do this on my own, God. Thank you very much. I will show you how good I am. And it sets a person's will against God's will. And so consequently, it's deadly. Listen to Genesis chapter 3. This is the temptation of the serpent. This is the heart of where it comes from. God had said to the man and the woman, if you're familiar with the story, he said, I give you everything. But one thing, 
do not eat from the tree of the, the knowledge of good and evil, for in that day you will, surely do, you will surely die. Now here's the response of the serpent. You will not certainly die. So he was call, calling God a liar. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat, eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That's the heart of religion. God, I don't really need you. I can determine what's right and wrong in my life. Thank you very much. And whatever, I, whatever I, relationship I have with you will be on my terms, not on your terms. Now, it's, once again, it's deadly, and it destroys us. It destroys our soul, and we'll see that later in this passage. What it required of God, because God loves us with all of his heart, it required that God would become a human being. That God would come into this broken world in Jesus of Nazareth and go to a cross. And that's exactly what Jesus is telling these 12 young men. I'm going to go to a cross. I will be killed. I will be buried. But, but, on the third day, I will be resurrected. I will be resurrected to life. The hope that we have is that resurrection life that is available to us when we become believers in Jesus Christ. This past Friday, I had the privilege and opportunity to go to... Uh, to Deering High School and speak to a classroom of uh, freshmen, and uh, there were two other uh, clergy with me, and uh, the first question that the students had for us was, what, uh, how did you engage the religion that you believe in? Well, I gave them my testimony. I said that I didn't grow up in church, my parents didn't go to church, we went on occasion, but I met a couple of young men from uh, college that came to do some, some uh, Christian work in the church that we did go to on occasion, and they told me about Jesus. And when they told me about Jesus, they gave me an opportunity to open up my heart and allow his love to come in. And I said, that's exactly what happened. He forgave me of, of my sins. He came in and he took up residence. And I said, I felt perfect love. I, I felt perfect peace. And I felt a joy for the first time in my life. And I said, I became born again. You see, that's God's plan. God's plan is to break our will so that it can be replaced with his will that he can take religion out of our lives and put Jesus into our lives. And that's when things begin to change. That's when we're able to be trained by God and to be used by God to carry his love into the world. Now, uh, God is, has got a plan for us, and if you've got a plan for us, you better believe God also has an enemy. So the second word you're going to write down is enemy. God has an enemy. Now, as we think about this, we, we need to understand that there's an enemy on the outside. His name is Satan. He's all through the scriptures, uh, whether it's, he's written about blatantly or is implied. But we've got to be careful because there's also an enemy on the inside. And we'll see that in Peter in just a moment. Listen to what Jesus says to these same people that Matthew's talking about, these scribes and religious people in John 8:44. Very stern words. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out his fa your father's desire. Listen to this. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. There's an enemy on the outside, but unfortunately he has, he has access to us on the inside. And we see this with Peter. Listen to what happens in, uh, in verse 22 and verse 23. Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, uh, this will never happen to you. And here's Jesus' response. Get away from me, Satan. Uh, you are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Now listen, 
I've read this all my life. And many times when I've read it, I've said, I've said to myself, Lord, what on earth is going on here? Peter meant good for you. He loved you. He didn't want you to go through suffering. So what are you getting so cranky with him about? I mean, what is going on here? Well, once again, Jesus is addressing the enemy on the outside, but he's also addressing the enemy on the inside. Peter may have had good intentions, but, but basically Peter is in league with the devil. He says to him, uh, this will never, heaven forbid, this will never happen to you. That's essentially what happened in the same gospel, Matthew chapter 4, when, uh, if you're familiar with the story, the devil took Jesus up to a high mountain and he said, look at all the nations of the world. I will give these nations to you if you'll only bow down and worship me. Now what was he saying? Jesus said to the disciples at the, at the end of the gospel, uh, in chapter 28, all authority under heaven and earth has, begin, has been given to me. Now you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son. So what is the discrepancy here? The devil is saying, you want the nations? I'll give you the nations. He's just saying, just don't go through the cross. Peter is saying, Lord, I don't want you suffering. What he doesn't realize he's saying is, don't go through the cross. You see, if Jesus doesn't go through the cross, you and I will perish forever and ever and ever. Amen. And that's why Jesus turns and he confronts him. And he says, get thee behind me, Satan. A couple of verses before, he was saying, you are the rock, and on, on this rock I will build my church. And all of a sudden, he says, you are dangerous, trapped me. Now that, that word in Greek is, you, you are a scandalon. We get the word scandalous. You are scandalous to me. Because you're in league with Satan. You see, what is happening here is, is the desire to, to, to circumvent the cross. Uh, a desire to say uh, for Jesus, I don't want to do your will, Father. But Jesus would never do that. He came into the world to do the Father's will. And what was the Father's will? That none of us would perish. That out of God's love for you and me, we have sinned against him. And Jesus would go to a cross so that he would take all of our sins and put them on Jesus at the cross and pour out his anger and wrath against the sin once and for all forever. And Jesus says to Peter, you, you, are, you are seeing things from a human view, point of view. You're not seeing them from God's point of view. So the question is, what on earth is God's point of view? Well, do you realize that God only sees two type of people in the world? This is God's point of view. You know, we see races. We see uh, people of, of different economic stratus. We see uh, different nationalities. We see different religions. We see all kinds of different things, people being parts of all kinds of different things. But God only sees two types of people. One type of person, the Bible says, is a person who is born of Adam. All of us were born of Adam when we were born of our parents. If we trace our parents all the way back through our lineage, we would come to Adam and Eve. And what the scripture says, if you're born of Adam, you are dead in your sins, in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature. The Apostle Paul said in, in Ephesians chapter 2, you are a child of wrath, uh, and God's wrath was going to fall upon you. But the moment that you trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, you became a child of God. So God sees either you're in Adam, uh, separated from him, condemned, or you're in Jesus, his son. Uh, either you're dead in your sins or you're alive in Christ. 
So there is an enemy on the outside, and the enemy wants to keep you from coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you're here today and you've never trusted in him as, as your Savior, he's going to do everything in his power to keep you from doing that. But if you are born of the Spirit of God, if you are a child of God, he's going to do everything in his power to separate you from your relationship with God. The enemy on the inside will constantly be calling your, your faith into doubt. He'll be, call, he'll be doing like he did with, with, uh, with Adam and Eve, calling God a liar before you so that you will doubt God. So there's an enemy on the outside, but there's also the enemy on the inside. But you and I have perfect hope because of the third word that I want you to look at. And the third word is that we have victory. God doesn't give us victory. We have victory. We have victory because we have Jesus and Jesus has us. So when we make our way through life, we don't have to be discouraged. We need to understand that we're being trained by God, that we might be used by God, that even in the trials and difficulties of life, God is using those things for good in our life and for the benefit of those around us. Listen to what uh, the Apostle Paul says. Wonderful passage in Romans chapter 8. If you have turn your paper over, you'll see it's about halfway down, just under the word victory that you just wrote down. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? The moment that you trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, the moment that you step out of death and into life, there is nothing that can separate you from Christ's love. It is an eternal love. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scripture says, for your sake we are killed every day and we are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory. There's your word right there. Circle that for me. Victory is ours. How? Through Christ who loved us. So you and I don't receive victory. We walk in victory. And that's how God begins to train us. He's got to get that into our minds. He's got to get that into our hearts so that we believe it and we live it. And we need to understand that to understand what Jesus says next. Because he says some, listen, he says some very, very sobering words, but powerful words, encouraging words at the same time. Verse 24, listen to this. Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must, listen to this, turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. Turn from your selfish ways. What is religion all about? It's making myself acceptable to God. It's, it's me saying, I will have a relationship with you, God, but it's going to be on my terms, not your terms. I'll add a little bit of Jesus to, to myself when I need Jesus. I, uh, I, did, I did a wedding for a couple years and years ago, and I was talking to them about their relationship with, with God, and the, and the guy says to me, you know, well, I think of God, I think of him as like my, the spare tire in my trunk. And I said, really? What, what does that mean? He said, well, I, I take him out whenever I need him. Okay? Well, that's how, that's how faith is to so many of us. God, I'll just add a little bit of Jesus to my life whenever I need him. Well, Jesus is saying, if, you, if you're going to follow me, listen to this. You need to pick up your cross daily. Now, in the ancient days, when somebody saw somebody carrying the cross, you know what they knew? They knew that guy was not coming back. He was dead. He was the walking dead. That's what Jesus is saying. Your old nature, your old self, your old path, your old past, I want you today to count it dead. I want, I'm, I'm going to a cross not to help you improve yourself. I've come to kill you so that I can replace you with my son Jesus. 
That's why Jesus said, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me, he, he will not be condemned. He's crossed over from death to life. And the Apostle Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, so Jesus is saying, if you're going to be my follower, today you've got to make a decision to die to yourself. That's what he says next, isn't it? Your selfishness. If you try to hang on to your life, yourself, your old, your religion, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. He's not talking about in and of yourself being a nice person, in and of yourself doing good things. He is not interested in that in the least. It's all, the, the prophet Isaiah said, it's, it's trash, it's rubbish to me. I'm not interested in your good works. What I'm interested in is my son Jesus. And if he's been born into your heart, into your life, that's what I'm pleased with. That's what I want to see. And I want you to have victory in him by placing your faith, not on a, on a monthly basis, but by, on a moment-by-moment moment basis. If you're here today and you've got anger in your heart, you know what's happening? You're caught up in your own selfish ways. Somebody's offended you. And because they've offended, you're angry because you think you're so important in this world that how dare anybody offend me? If today you're worried about your finances or whatever it is, you're saying, listen, I'm going to do this on my own. And because of that, I'm scared to death. Because you're doing it on your own. God says, I will supply all your needs, but you've got to trust me. You've got to understand, I am your victory. You've got to let go of your selfish ways. You've got to let go of the me part of you and let Jesus replace that me with his glorious and wonderful self. That's why he says in verse 26, what does it benefit if you gain the whole world, listen to this now, but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Now, a moment ago, he was talking about life, physical life, our life in the world. Now he's talking about spiritual life. And that word soul in Greek is psyche. We get the word psychiatrist or, or, or a psychologist. It's our mind, our emotions, and our will. It's how the spirit, spiritual life, affects the inner being of who we are. And what does he say? Once again, what does it benefit you if you gain the whole world? If you, listen, if you win, if you, if you win the, the, the Powerball, what is it, $800 million on its way to a billion dollars? What if you, what if you win that this week? You've gained, listen, you've gained the whole world. But if you die without Jesus, do you think that $800 million is going to have any value to you if you were condemned forever and ever? Amen? I don't think so. It'll be too late. Some of us go out on the street and we share the gospel with people, and, and uh, many people are very receptive, but some people are downright cranky. They're, they're, they're angry when they hear about the, uh, putting their faith, having to put their faith and trust in Jesus. So to those people, we, uh, we ask them a simple question. We, we say this. Let's imagine for a moment that I could give you a million dollars, but what I want to do is I want to harvest one of your eyes. For a million dollars, we have a doctor that will replace your eye with a prosthetic, uh, with a prosthetic eye. It will be perfect. Nobody, nobody will be able to tell the difference. It's just that you won't be able to see out of that eye, but you will have a million dollars. Now, most people say, no, 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 no. I don't want a million dollars. No, my, my eyesight is... But some people will say, a million bucks? I can still see out of my other eye. No problem. Yeah, I would do that. Now, if they say yes, we'll say, well, listen to this. I'll offer you $2 million if you'll let me take both of your eyes. What do you think of that? All of a sudden, things change. I said, no, 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 no. 
And offer two million. Well, how about five million dollars? Would you take five million dollars? If I could take both of your eyes, give you five million dollars, you wouldn't be able to see, but you would have five million dollars. No. Ten million? No, there's no amount of money. So far, have we had somebody say, yeah, I'm ready to give up my eyes. Because what we say to people is, the reason you won't give up your eyes is because they are precious to you. But here's the, here's, here's the catch. Do you realize that your eyes are simply the windows to your soul? Now, if your eyes are precious to you, how much more precious is your soul? Are you willing to give up your soul forever and ever and ever, amen, by rejecting Jesus Christ? And that's the question you have to answer today if you've never trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Because what Jesus says next is very, very important. He says, I'm coming back. Listen to his words. In verse 27, For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. Now listen, there's going to be two forms of judgment in the future. And it may not be in the too distant future the way things are happening in the world today. First of all, the judgment will be for those that are the religious people of the world. They've said, God, I'm going to keep you at arm's length. I'll show you how I can be a good person in and of myself. I don't need you, thank you very much. Well, that person that dies without Jesus will be resurrected and stand before Jesus, and someday Jesus will be that person's judge. And Jesus will say, you've got an opportunity. Tell me what you've done that's more important than me dying for you on a cross, being resurrected from the dead to offer you a life that you've refused. And now you've condemned yourself. You will be condemned by your own words. But the, for those of us who have believed in Jesus as Lord and Savior, we will stand before the judge as well. And for us, he will say, my good and faithful servant, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to judge all the things that you did by faith. Everything that you've done in this world and while you're in this world by faith will be rewarded. But everything that you've done on your own and you've said, Lord Jesus, I don't really need you for this. Even though I'm saved, I don't need you for this. I'll take care of it on my own. That will be judged as well. And, and the Bible says it will be burned up like wood, hay, and stubble. So what's the game plan? What's the plan? The plan is to know that you've got victory, but your victory is only good when you walk in and with the Lord on a moment-by-moment -moment basis every day of your life. Saying, God, I've had enough of me. I'm sick of me. I want more of Jesus. That's what our life is all about. Because that's God's plan. That he would get you and me out of us so that he could place Jesus into us he could train us and turn us loose on a world that's in desperate need of the love and grace that Jesus offers through people like you and me. That's the plan. But you've got to know there's an enemy that wants to trip you up every way. But don't be discouraged because we have victory. And our victory is not something that's given to us. It's something that we walk in, that we have by faith. Faith alone in Jesus. Take a look at the bottom of your paper with me for just a moment. I pulled out a, um, a passage from uh, the Gospel of John, and it's a great, uh, I think it's a great translation. It's called the New Living Translation. It's what we read here on Sunday mornings. And uh, I'm, I'm pointing this out to you because I want you to think about this passage in this coming week. Because in this coming week, you're going to be confronted with many different things. Good things, difficult things. You're going to be making decisions about your uh, life, big decisions, small decisions. And I want you to remember that in all these things, if you have trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, he's using everything in your life to mold you and shape you, to train you, 
so that you will be an instrument that he can use to transform the world around you, bringing us together as a family of God, using us as a church here and over to Stroudwater Baptist to affect and, and touch the hearts and lives of neighbors all around us. And here's Jesus' own words. Watch this. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. The Holy Spirit gives us life. Just as we talked about, Jesus was raised from the dead, and we're raised from the dead the moment we trust in him. Now watch this. Human effort accomplishes zilch, nothing, okay? Jesus said, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. So every moment of every day, God wants you and me to abide in Jesus, trust in Jesus, walk in the victory that we have in Jesus. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. You see, once again, he's got a plan, the plans for your life, our life together. We've got an enemy that wants to trip us up, but at the same time, we have the victory of Jesus. There's a woman by the name of uh, Helen Neveray, and she's a... She's a uh, medical missionary, served in Africa for quite a number of, of years, and she, was, uh, she led a very large hospital in Africa. And at a point in time, Helen was really having a difficult time. Everything was going wrong. She was getting very upset. She was getting angry. She was getting frustrated. And uh, she was snapping at the people around her. Well, finally, the, uh, the pastor that was the chaplain of the hospital said, Helen, you're going to come with me, and we're going to, you're going to go on a retreat with my family for two or three days. You just need to get away from all of this. So uh, she, she obeyed. She, she followed the pastor, went with his family. She got away for a couple of days, and um, she spent a lot of time praying. But she said at the end of two or three days, she said to the pastor, all the praying that I've done, it feels like my prayers have hit a glass ceiling. Nothing is changing. I'm not changing. I'm still feeling frustrated. I'm still feeling angry. All these things still come to my mind, still come to my heart. And uh, at, at that time, they were sitting by a campfire, and uh, the pastor said, well, Helen, here's your problem. He said, in everything that you've just said to me, there's too much, <coughs> there's too much I in everything that you've said. I am this. This is going wrong with me. Blah, blah, blah. So the pastor took his bare toe and he drew a straight line in the sand, straight line in the dirt. And he said, listen, you've got to do something about that eye. So he, he said, I noticed that when you drink your coffee in the morning and when you drink your coffee at, at night, you hold it in your hands uh, to warm your hands and so forth. Well, when you're holding your coffee, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray and simply say, God, I want you to take the eye out of my life and replace it with Jesus in my life. And with that, he took his big toe, and where there was an eye in the dirt, he took his big toe and he crossed right through and he said, I want you to take the eye out of your life. And you know what it left? Obviously, a cross. That was God's plan. Well, that broke through to Helen's mind, it broke through to her heart, and she surrendered her life and her heart more and more to Jesus. But the message to Helen is the same way to, same to you and me. God wants to train you and me as his people, as believers. But he's got to get rid of the I in our lives. He's got to get rid of you and me in our lives. He's got to, he's got to kill the you and me so he can replace it with Jesus. And when he replaces it with Jesus, that's when life begins to change. That's when we begin to flourish. Training believers to transform the world. Let's pray. God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. And at the same time, we all sit here before you and confess we are guilty. I am guilty. 
There's an awful lot of I in my life. There's an awful lot of me in my life. And it's very, very difficult for you to train me and change me when I'm thinking about me continually in my life. God, I thank you that you love the world around us. And you have one plan, and that one plan is Jesus, but it's Jesus working through people like us. So God, help us break the me, break the I in us, Lord, so that you can fill us with Jesus. You can transform us with Jesus so that you can use us to be instruments in the world around us. Lord, I pray this morning for all those that are gathered that you would bless them. These are dear, wonderful people. And uh, so many of us, we're just alike, Lord, in that we're, we're trying really hard in our Christian walk when that's not what you want from us at all, to help us to stop trying. And I'm going to pray that right now. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever you're worried about, whatever you're concerned about, uh, I want you to stop trying. And I want God right now that the Spirit of God would be upon everybody that's here and just remind each and every one of us of the victory that we have in Jesus. And that whatever's going on in your mind and in your heart right now, I just want you to visually take it and lay it at Jesus' feet. Are you worried about your finances? Well, picture a dollar bill. Put that dollar bill at the feet of Jesus. He's going to take care of whatever's going on. Are you upset about somebody that's offended you? Well, place that at Jesus' feet. Say, Lord, I can't handle this, but you can. So help me to forgive. Help me to let it go. Help me to say I'm sorry. If you're worried about your health, maybe you've got a, a doctor's report and you're, and you're concerned about that. Well, we can understand that. But at the same time, Jesus is on the throne. And re remember the words that we heard from the prophet Jeremiah. Remember that I've got plans for you to give you hope and a future. God's got it all under control. So let's lay these things at the feet of Jesus this morning. At the same time, uh, much of what I've said this morning maybe sounds a little odd, a little strange. Uh, maybe you've never heard it before. Maybe you have heard it before, but you've just been saying, no, I'm not ready for this. Well, God says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you've got to stop keeping Jesus at arm's length. Stop having, trying to have a relationship with him according to, to your standards. You've got to drop your arms or raise your arms and surrender and open up your heart. And if you would like to do that, I want to, I want to help you. I want to lead you through a little prayer right now that you can say in the quietness of your own mind, your own heart, and receive Christ as Lord and Savior. But what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to repent. You're going to have to understand that you're not the good person that you think you are, dangerously so. And you need, you need forgiveness. You need a Savior. And if you'd like to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, here's what you, here's what you can do. Sim simply say this. Jesus, I confess that I've sinned against you. Just say that in the, quiet, the quietness of your own mind. Jesus, I confess I've sinned against you. And then say, I'm sorry for my sins. And say, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And then say, Lord Jesus, here and now, come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior. 
And then say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. And then you put yourself in position to be trained. So, Lord, train me. Train me to be the person that you want me to be. Give me the victory that I have in Jesus. And then say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for all of your blessings. And for the rest of us, God, we say thank you once again. We want to be trained by you. We want to be blessed by you. But we also want to be used by you. We pray for this and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen.